This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. is up guys welcome back to the podcast how are we doing i missed you last week i'm sorry for the little gap that we had but as you guys may or may not know last week i had a big launch of my new child my second born okay because the podcast is the first born my second child called m club which is my new brand my new business and thursday was the launch of the first drop and you guys fucking sold it out in two days and I just uh, what what thank you so much I don't want to drag this on because I've I feel like I've been so annoying on social media the last few days but I'm just so fucking excited and grateful and happy and I the amount of beautiful messages the amount of support all of you tagging me posting it commenting just Oh my god, I was blown the fuck away. So please know how grateful I am. Please know I'm so excited for you guys to get your pieces. And so many, so many fun things are coming soon. Drop two is literally around the corner. Wait, by the time you're listening to this, do you guys know? Maybe. Today's Monday when I'm recording this because I have kind of a crazy week. I don't usually record my intros so early before posting, but... This is going to be a wild week, so we're getting it done now because I don't want to, you know, just not give you an episode this week. Absolutely not. We already missed one week, That's and it felt wrong, you know? It felt weird. Hadn't missed a week in, like, I don't know, a very long time. So anyway, thank you so much, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> then don't worry about it. <laughs> just go to my page, and you'll probably see it there, but I really did want to just say thank you because I'm just so fucking grateful. So on today's episode, we have Arielle. She is a marketing consultant and a content creator as well. The first time that I um, got in contact with her, she reached out to me when she was working for Laura Mercier, and I almost shit my pants, obviously, when I got that email, literally. Um, So she was the influencer strategist for Laura Mercier, which like, no big deal. Um, her portfolio is so fucking impressive and so cool. And she has so much experience and so much knowledge and so much tea. And this episode is full of that. So I know you guys are going to love it. For anybody that has some sort of online presence, social presence, you want to start one, you want to, you know, up your game, whatever it is, this is going to be so helpful for you, helpful for you. And It's also so cool to talk to somebody who has been on both sides, right? Like she's been the person behind huge fucking brands reaching out to influencers, but then she's also an influencer herself. So it's, it's very, very cool. And we just get so much, so many perspectives, you know? So hope you guys enjoy. I can't wait to hear what you think. Be sure to follow her, give her some love, tag us if you listen. I love to see when you guys listen to the episodes and let's get into it. Okay, so before we jump in, I would kind of just like you to share with us, like, how did we get here? Like a little bit about you, your background, and where you're at right now. 
So I've been in the beauty industry for a little over nine years now. I started my career at L'Oreal, which was an amazing kind of learning ground. It really threw me into the beauty industry and I learned so much. Um, I was working on the SE brand and I actually only started as a two month freelancer, only hired for fashion week to help um, SE with all the different you know shows they did. And at the time, um, I was, you know, dreaming about getting into the beauty industry and decided to kind of take the risk and and go forward with this two month job, even though I had an offer with a full time job, but that was more jewelry sales and it just didn't feel like what I wanted to do. So I decided to just kind of risk it, um, take this gig, do the two months and see what happens. And it ended up working out amazingly. I ended up getting contracted over and over again. Um, so I ended up working there for a little over a year and a half and then ended up moving to a beauty incubator company. So basically they, um, had at the time, like eight different brands that we were working on helping build those brands. And I was building their influencer programs, also their experts. So like makeup artists, hairstylists, skin fluencers, manicurists, kind of like the whole nine yards. Um, Mm -hmm. and really loved it, but realized that working across eight different brands and eight different teams and eight different, if not more founders was really, really tough. So that was kind of my agency experience. And then I ended up going to Laura Mercier where I worked at for a little over three and a half years. And I was actually their first influencer marketing hire. Um, that's how, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. That's how we, I don't know if you remember, that's how we first met. You emailed me once to get PR for Laura Mercier and I almost had a heart attack, <laughs> but that's how we first like came in contact. I don't know. That, I just thought that was like a fun fact. That's how everyone knows me. I haven't worked oh, really? for like a year and a half and or a year. And I feel like everyone still is like, she's the Laura Mercier girl. <laughs> <laughs> love it. It was love really it. fun. I got to connect with so many people, like you said. And, um, you know, it was, at the time, I was hired to do a mix of both traditional media, so like editors and press, and then also influencer. Um, started okay. with like 200 influencers, sending them products like once every other month. By the time I left, and we had like three global trips to France with influencers. Our mailing list was like 2,500 people. Um, it was it was amazing and insane, and I ended up doing a lot of pretty much all of the contract work, um, also for all the campaigns. So it was really, really fun to kind of see how the team evolved. I mean, we staffed up and grew over time and then also, you know, had um, people join from abroad to the team to kind of oversee like internationally how we were rolling out influencer marketing. Um, And then also, you know, I did a lot of like social collaborations and the Instagram takeovers and then, all the event planning. So I kind of wore a lot of different hats, which is rare, I think, for a big brand like that, usually teams. So it was amazing because I got to do so much and got to really learn so many different areas um, and built a lot of relationships. So because I was that that first name um, to the brand, I really developed such good relationships with so many influencers, which I loved. Um, And then, you know, about um, a year ago during kind of like, the BLM movement, I decided I kind of felt like I was like plateauing in my career and decided to figure out what my next steps were. Um, ended up deciding to freelance. And so I've been freelancing for 
like smaller luxury skincare brands. Um, and it's been okay. really fun to kind of help them develop their influencer strategies and campaigns and gifting and everything else like that. Um, at the same time, when I left, I kind of experienced this little bit of like a, a high growth period. I by no means have a big following, but I was growing really quickly through TikTok, which I've unfortunately totally dropped off between wedding planning and moving. I'm not giving it the attention it needs. <laughs> You're, you're excused. That's okay. <laughs> but I started to get my own kind of deals influencing as well. Um, and because I had both that, that brand knowledge, I knew what brands were looking for in content and then also knew how to read a contract. And so I found that it was rare for someone to kind of be on both sides of it. And it's been really fun going through those motions of just meeting with other PR girls, um, building kind of my own personal brand, my own business, and then being able to also help others um, through like Clubhouse. And then also I've been helping manage some influencers. So that's been really exciting. So basically now you have the best of both worlds because <laughs> you're still doing like what you love and what you like your expertise, but then you're also applying it, which like, why would like, why wouldn't you, you know, like, I think that's amazing. Um, there's so many things I want to get into. <laughs> the first, the first being like, I know there's no, you know, for all these things, like there's not like one clear cut answer to all these things and everybody has a different approach, but what do you think right now, like 2021, October, 2021, what is like the DNA for like shareable, valuable content, like content that yields results. And I think we can focus more so on like the lifestyle you know, skincare, beauty sphere, just because I think we're both more in that. So um, yeah, we can focus on that area. I think it's really interesting when you get brand briefs for campaigns and it's, you know, they're so different. Some are really, really rigid. They want you to really focus right. on pushing the product, trying to sell it. And then other ones are really relaxed. They just want you to, you know, capture a video or a photo of you in the product. Um, and honestly, I kind of, I resonate with the second, um, I think that yeah. when things feel more organic and authentic, they perform better. Um, it's mm -hmm. no secret that when, as soon as you slap ad on a post, it, the engagement drops yeah. down. Um, and so, yeah. you know, the brands that are trying to do it in a more authentic way are trying to curb that effect. At the same time, I think obviously, you know, as a brand, you have messages and brand awareness you need to build unless you are a household name. Um, so, you know, whether it's a product launch or if it's a seasonal moment that you're trying to push, there are always going to be ways to integrate and weave that messaging in without being really inundated. I think that right now, well, edutainment is the future and it is at the forefront of all content. I think that while like fashion reels and stuff, and I'm so guilty because I still will do reels, putting on my makeup or like doing fashion outfits. Um, I think that it, those are, you're starting to see that those are dwindling a little bit in terms of kind of like engagement right. and people are really focusing on like educational content when it comes to styling. So how can I elevate a basic white tee or how can I right. mix silver and gold jewelry? I think in general, just people are really looking for like insights that they can apply to their daily life. It's like, there's only so many 
get ready with me's that we can watch, right? Like there's only so many like natural makeup routines that we can watch. And it's like you said, it's, I, I love those, you know? And, and because there's so many of us, it's almost like we all have to kind of like step it up a notch, right? Like that's just kind of where it is. What do you see influencers or content creators, whatever, whatever. I, I don't like the word influencer. Who likes the word influencer? Like no one. And it's like, there's honestly, I was thinking about that today and I'm like, why do we hate the word so much? And I know why. And it's because of the stigma that I think it used to have, but it's like, there's nothing wrong with it. Whatever. This is like a PSA to myself. Um, so what do you say or what do you think you see influencers doing wrong as of late? So not like wrong, but just things that you're like, I don't like that. I wouldn't do that. Just in your opinion. And I, and then on the flip side, what are things that you're loving that you're seeing from influencers lately? Yeah, I think with the nature of TikTok is really interesting because the way it started was everyone doing the exact same videos and it was about being part of this trend. And I think that you're seeing people break from the mold and really trying to either create their own trends. So like creating your own transition Mm -hmm. is like an amazing way to kind of get your name out and get, you know, views and followers. Mm -hmm. But in general, I think they're with the algorithm is really interesting where you want to always be in the know and be part of these trends, but you also need to make sure that you're standing out and differentiating yourself. And I think that there's a lot of, um, just kind of self self deprecating or like a self, yeah. sorry, I can't think of the word, but I think it's like a lot of, no, that's, you know what you mean. there's yeah. a lot of comparison on Instagram. And I think like we have this concept of like aesthetics and like, we're all guilty. We all kind of want to fit this like cool girl mold. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. like sometimes giving off the impression that you're like too cool for school or like not being approachable when you're actually in fact like a lovely bubbly person you might be a little like more girly than edgy in person and so I think that in general we're all just trying to fit the same mold um, but I th- I find that the people who are really making themselves stand out are the ones that are usually getting more contract work um, and I, I feel with especially fashion um, in general, I don't think fashion pays as well as other industries. When it comes right. to content creators, there's just such an oversaturation um, in, in so many brands yeah. and so many influencers. But I think that it, it's the same thing. You know, the, the fashion industry is able to, you know, find people who will create content for free because they're all, yeah. all these girls that are trying to work with these brands and it is just so oversaturated. Um, Whereas, you know, influencers who have really niche markets, so, you know, someone who might be really into investing or stocks, I've seen a ton of TikTokers that are doing that. And I think that they're starting to work with really big names, like all the different banks or, you know, even like E-Trade. So I think that there's always an opportunity. It's about figuring out what your niche is and what you stand for. I, I hate when an influencer feels like they sell out um, and post something that they don't really often talk about um and you know when i work with influencers or i work on the brand side if an influencer comes to me and they're like oh sorry this is like a no-go zone for me like i don't talk about alcohol or i don't talk about this i honestly respect that i'm like that's amazing that you're sticking to your morals and your values and you're you're doing what's you at your core and i find that Oftentimes, we're trying to always be someone else and try to emulate other people that we see on Instagram. And we're all guilty of it. And I think I have really strong moments of like imposter syndrome, like 
I found that even though I knew better because I was on the brand side, I was like low balling myself with my first influencer deals because I was like, I'm not an influencer. I, I, right. this isn't me. Uh, I don't deserve this. So I'm going to charge what I think I'm worth. And it honestly was not as much as I should have been charging. And I've come to, you know, learn that with time and, and just have the confidence within myself. I love that. That's such like, that's a whole other conversation is like your worth and knowing your worth and not being scared of sharing those numbers with a brand and not being scared of getting a no back, you know, because of course they're going to be no no's back, but then there are going to be those brands that do see your worth and do see your value and will say yes. And I think it's worth sticking out for those. I think at the beginning, like I didn't know that I could negotiate like at the beginning, like the very first time I got an email, like I was like, you know, when you get the first one, you're just like, I was like shitting my pants. I couldn't believe it. I was like, Oh my God, you mean like I was so excited. I didn't know that I was allowed to be like, actually, no, you know, and I hate to say this, but it's the truth. It's a business like brands, especially when you're smaller. And when I say smaller, that is a very relative term. That means something different to everyone. To me, I'm saying like when I had like 2000 followers, 3000 followers, you know, I'm not saying that's small. I'm just saying like, whatever, it's relative. Brands know that they see your following, they see your numbers. So a lot of the times, like they will lowball you and they will try to get this deal for the least amount of money possible. Like for sure, it's a business. Like you can't really take it personally. You just have to like stand up for yourself and know that like you are allowed to to negotiate your worth. And we'll talk about that in a second. But do you see us like a prominent future on TikTok for like influencer marketing more so than Instagram, at least right now? I'm so torn. I don't think anyone really knows the answer to be honest. I think TikTok has really pushed um, the entire social media space. And we've learned, you know, the value of short form video. I think Instagram is always very quick to adopt and, um, you know, integrate those kinds of features onto their own platform. We saw that YouTube came out with YouTube shorts. And so, Again, we're, we're reaching the point where it's like people are just sharing the same things across all their different platforms because there are so many platforms. And so I think in the end of the day, it's always like what platform resonates the most with you? I think video will always be the future and continue to be pushed. And I think that video will be favored by the algorithm moving forward. But it, do you want to share that video on Instagram? where maybe it's a little more curated. Do you want to share it on TikTok where maybe it's a little more real? YouTube where it could be, you know, very, very candid. Um, and maybe it's a short or long form. So I think it's about finding out what platforms do you enjoy the most? Where do you see yourself? Um, but at the same time, I never encourage anyone to focus only on one platform. That one platform can disappear tomorrow. I mean, um, I'm I'm blanking on the name, but we used to have basically TikTok seven years ago. Um, Oh, yes. What was it? Not, I was going to say Hive. What was it called? Oh my God, I can't remember it either. Wait, this is going to drive me crazy. It's not, not, you know, a revolutionary concept. It's just. What was it? (laughs) I can't remember. Okay, I'll think about it. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. hundred percent. I think, I don't think it's ever smart to have like your like 
digital eggs in one basket, so to speak. And however, with that said, I think people, and I'll include myself, I talked about this in an episode, previous episode that, you know, you feel, you feel this pressure to, as a creator, be everywhere, right? Because it's like, there's all these platforms and you feel as though you need to be on them if you want to grow, if you want to be successful. Yes, of course. Like if you can sustainably, sustainably build, um, communities on all these different platforms, amazing. For sure, you're going to grow faster, right? Because you're exposing yourself to all these different audiences. However, I don't think everyone can do that. Like, I don't think everyone, like, I don't think it's humanly possible. And there are these exceptions for sure. But especially starting out to be on YouTube, to be on Instagram, to be on TikTok, to share your stuff on Pinterest, to, I mean, like, that's a lot, right? And I think towards the beginning, I think it's so important to, I don't know, I say like pick at least two that you enjoy and where your like dream audience is. Cause it, like you said, it has to make sense. Like if, if my dream audience never uses TikTok, why the fuck would I go on TikTok? Like, who am I speaking to there? You know? So, okay. Let's talk about pitching yourself. Let's talk about pitching yourself to brands. You have so much, so much like knowledge on this. Um, as someone who has been on the brand side, what is like a dream pitch that you've received? Or like just an example of like an email maybe that you read that you were like, wow, boom, like amazing. Like that was a perfect email from an influencer wanting to collaborate. Yeah. So I think right off the bat, um, the influencer should introduce themselves, say what they're based, because a lot of times we're either working on campaigns or um, events that are you know, location specific, not as much right now, but in the past, um, and share your, your audience. So, you know, what percentage is female or what kind of, um, background are they and like, what sets you apart or what's your niche then then get into all the numbers. Like what is your following? What are your handles? And I want all of them hyperlinked. I don't want to have to go searching for you. If you never drop what your handle is, even without the link, I have no idea who you are. So I always say like, just you, you have to imagine that the person on the other side of the email is getting hundreds of these emails a day. You want to get short and sweet and to the point so that they enjoy your email and experience. I would get essays sometimes and paragraphs and then media kits that were like 10 pages long and no one has time for that. I want a short and sweet email with your name, your location, what sets you apart, all your handles, all your followers on those, on those um, platforms, and then attach a one page media kit. It's It's just to get a flavor for you. If I'm interested, I'm going to check out your handles and I'll learn more about you. Is there a deal breaking metric for that you check out when deciding to collaborate with an influencer? I think everyone is really focused on engagement because obviously the more engaged an influencer's community is, the more likely their path to conversion is or, you know, um, path to consideration. So even if someone's like sales specifically in Instagram are not strong, they might have a really loyal audience. And so that person might remember oh, she posted about that, this super good product in her last video. I'm in Sephora. Let me pick it up. We don't have ways to track every path to purchase. You might purchase it on Sephora because you want to get, to get the points. You might want to go in person to Sephora to get shade match. So if I'm, you know, have a partnership with Supergoop and I'm just linking straight up to Supergoop's website, you might take note of that, but you might say, Hey, I'm going to go shop somewhere else. 
So as a brand, we're looking for engagement. Uh, Industry-wide, I would say 2% or higher is considered really great. Um, And then, you know, I think kind of like the loyalty of those influencers. So like um, any kind of of sales receipts they have obviously really help. So do they drive a lot on Amazon or like to know and and what have those sales looked like? Um, Specifically when an influencer reaches out to me and they say, hey, I've recently shared your brand. Here are the screenshots or said links. Here's how much I sold. There's no argument there. You're like, great, you're supporting the brand. You're a real user organically and you're driving sales. Why would I not want to work with you? Uh, you personally will never work with someone on the brand side um, if they've never mentioned the brand organically, because you have to think that the more you mention a brand, the less like these, the more sensitized, desensitized. I'm mean, 100%. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. The more an influencer shares a brand, the more aware their followers will be with that brand. And so when they finally get that deal and their influencers, their followers are like, You've been talking about my favorite product, which is the Ilya Super Serum. I talk about it all the time. And so if Ilya comes to me and talks so about it, I love it's that. the best. It's so good. <laughs> that yeah. could be a, a whole different podcast conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Just the love for Ilya. No, I recently have been trying a bunch of their stuff and I like love everything. It's, it's so, so good. good. But anyway, so my audience, like they know why I love it. So if they see me all of a sudden, I post and I'm like, hey guys, I'm so excited because I have a partnership with Ilya. You guys know how much I love it. All my followers are going to hype me up because they're going to be like, yes, girl, you've been working on this. You love this brand. You've been pushing it forever. Now you got the deal. Like they're going to be so happy for you. So I think that from a brand side, it's just really, you, you want to reward your, your top loyalists and your top supporters and that was really the strategy i brought to laura mercy it was kind of like our initial influencer mailing was like who's talking about us already who's supporting us who do you want to you know reward and then eventually we carried that on through you know influencer trips and we ended up bringing like 10 influencers all of them had i think like a hundred thousand and less followers to new york for a three-day stay and had like mini activations for them all over New York. For a lot of them, it was their first time ever flying, first time ever in New York. So it's like, you never know what can come your way just by like loving the brands you love. And I think that in the end of the day, brands take note. They might not reach out right away, but they'll they'll remember. And as you continue that, you're going to, you know, the brand person will recognize you. 100%. And I think that, you know, a few of my favorite partnerships that I've had started from me tagging that said product over and over and over again. I wasn't doing it to be like, notice me. Like I want that. No, I'm just like, I post my stories. That's why I think like, I think stories are so underrated and I think there's so much power and like, it's such a great way to not be in people's faces, but still share everything about your, like not everything about your life, but the things that you want, like it's, you can be very strategic on stories without being in your face. I think, um, I like to share just like my days, right? So like whatever it is that I'm doing, if it's the phone case that I was tagging, whatever, like whatever it is. And those are very special because the, like you said, the brand's like, Oh, she really loves us. Boom. Easy. Like, you know what I mean? And, and, and I think, sometimes it's 
worth it to be patient and to wait out for those opportunities as opposed to just, you know, saying yes to a ton of one-off ads that make no sense. And your audience as consumers, they're very smart. We're all very smart now as consumers. We know, you know, when something is like, that was a check, like, you know, and it's okay, you know, like whatever, but you know, and, and ultimately I think people forget to remind, to remember is like, it doesn't make sense for you or for the brand. The return on the investment is not going to be high, which means it's going to literally be a one-off thing. It's like, was it worth it? it like, you, you kind of have to think that way, you know? Like, was it worth it or not? Yeah, I think in general, the industry is definitely moving away from one-off partnerships. I think a lot of brands have put in kind of like longer-term ambassador programs. It's more authentic. It's more real. Um, I yeah. actually... And it doesn't... Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I actually just got accepted to, like, an anthropology one for six months. So I'm really, really excited about that. And I know that, like, my followers will see that I actually do wear anthro and different anthro brands. I wore Beholden to my rehearsal dinner. So I've been working with the brand for a really long time. And they took note of that and reached out and gave me the six-month contract. So I'm so thrilled about that. And that was, you know, through just building relationship over time. I think on the flip side, I do have to warn, if you're an influencer and you reach out to a brand and you're like, I love your brand, I use you all the time, we can see the receipts. We can see if you've ever tagged us on stories and in feed. We have softwares. This industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. We can literally type in your handle and look up if you have ever mentioned the brand. So don't lie about it. If you have never tried the brand and you're interested in trying it, just own that. Say, hey, I've never used you, but I've heard the best things. I'd love to try you out if you're willing to send me some stuff. You know what? There are brands that will ghost you and never respond, but you'll, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. So it's worth putting yourself out there. And you never know. I've had many brands that said no to me or ghost me that six months later are coming back to me. So you just need to put yourself out there. I think a no isn't always a no. It can be like, not yet. Maybe they already like, maybe they are working on a specific campaign and they already have somebody that is similar to you and that, you know, took your spot essentially, or maybe they're just not, whatever. You never know. You really never know. And so sometimes I take no's. I try to take no's as not yet. It wasn't the right time to work together just yet. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I want to talk about PR for a second you know, being on the brand side, when I, I know the answer, but I want to hear what you have to say. Well, I think I do. Um, what do brands really, really, what are they really, really hoping for when they send you a beautiful PR package? Like aside from like a beautiful unboxing, like what are they really, really hoping for? Yeah. I think, you know, when a brand sends you like an amazing package, they're really hoping for you to share in feed. Obviously that's like the most you could do, or I get uh, in feed stealth posts or like a reel, um but that's not always realistic like you have to pay your bills too you can't be doing work for free and so i think with pr in general you always just kind of have to assess like is this worth my effort is this something i'm really interested in what is the value of that item in exchange for you know potentially what i would create and so um you know a, a regular like box that shows up on my doorstep maybe i'll just share it in stories and tag the brand just to support them 
as someone who's on the brand side, I feel so guilty not even doing that one thing just because I know how much work goes into those. And honestly, even sometimes not the like basic, basic mailer, but like the one step up, those can still cost like $80 a piece. And I don't think influencers realize how expensive all this stuff can be. Um, but you know, I saw like La Mer surprised an influencer with a massive lifestyle box. And then when you open the box, it was a full vanity with a stool, with a custom robe, custom headband, like a jumbo size La Mer cream. And for that, like she created a reel because not only was that just such a cool experience. Kidding. I would literally create a movie <laughs> if I got that. Honestly, like- that way. Like she was posting in stories and then made us all wait out for the reel and I was like girl what was that like I have to yeah (laughs) it was like two gorgeous men showed up at her doorstep with a life-size lamare box like I want to know does she get can I keep the men too like is that part of the package they were worth worth keeping (laughs) oh my gosh that's so funny yeah for sure I think as a PR person you also like we always kind of know what what our expectations will be. And so we will plan kind of those like out of life moments um, to be able to like surprise and delight. And I think that's a lot of the industry. And so I feel like for a while in LA, you saw like everyone had their like brand van that was stopping at everyone's homes and things like that. And I think that you're constantly trying to think about like, what is that next thing? Um, And obviously COVID kind of put a stop to that and, and was a little bit of a damper. And I think that, a lot of brands the last year moved away from, you know, events. And so that budget was then able to be reallocated towards, you know, more gifting or, or campaigns. Um, and then also on the flip side, you have to think a lot of brands had their budgets probably cut in half. It's been a really yeah. tough time, especially for beauty. Yeah. Um, and so I think that this time of year during holidays was so interesting because it's such a big moment where, brands either have like massive budgets dedicated to holiday or they're completely out. Like they have no more money for the year. Um, the tank is empty. Exactly. <laughs> and I've experienced both. I had my boss uh, at Laura Mercy come up to me the week before Christmas and he was like, Hey, yeah, I have like $50,000 that you have to use on campaigns before the end of the year. And I was like, um, it's Christmas. Like no one's going to be creating content. And I just had to like, figure it out and wing it and reach out to a ton of people. But I've totally had the opposite where came October, we had no money for the rest of the year. There was nothing. Holy shit. It's so crazy. Like that's so crazy to me to like, to think of how it works on the other side. I know. And I, so I feel with PR, like I, I post on my story, anything I receive That's awesome. and I email the brand. If I'm like speaking with them via email, which is most likely the case, I, always email and say thank you and I tell my friends to do that too because I'm like I don't do it to kiss ass I do it because if I'm getting PR from someone it's because I've accepted that and I and I want to work with that brand even if it's in a gifting capacity I think there's so much value in that and because I would use it anyway or it's like something I want to try so why wouldn't I right um and so I always say thank you like acknowledge that I received it because I'm sure it's like when you're sending a ton of packages like you don't I don't know I just I, I don't know why I just feel the need to always say thank you or DM them and I always post it on my story but I feel like 
sometimes I'm like, I wish I could do more. And I try, like I, once I start using the products, I'll tag them. I mention as much as I can, but I'm like, I don't want to saturate my audience. And I don't want to be annoying. Just like PR, 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 PR. Like I know some people like don't want to see that, but then I try to explain to my audience that I have like, like I'm I'm really tight with them, you know, which I love. And I try to say like, I'm always going to post what I get because I'm so fucking grateful. And I know that like, I dreamed of this one day. Like, how would I not share it? And I also can understand that, yeah, Brian is doing this because they want to be mentioned. It's a business. I get it. But they also don't have to send it to me. They could send it to 1 million other influencers that there are. So, of course, I'm going to post about it. But sometimes I'm like, I want to do more just to continue the relationship, which is something else I wanted to talk to you about is like, what are some tips you have for content creators that, you know, they might be receiving PR but they want to turn that into maybe like a paid capacity. Like what, what would you say about that? Yeah. So just taking a step back to like saying, you know, how to think a brand concept, you have to think about, you know, there's a person on the other side of the email. They're human. They right. have feelings. Right. They want respect. They also have expectations and they have a boss and there's a lot of pressure on them to perform. And so, you know, by you tagging them, you're helping them look good to their boss. So that's amazing. And I really applaud that. I think sometimes we forget just like the most basic things, like sending a holiday note. I used to get like a few holiday notes a year and those were so thoughtful and so sweet. I knew the person took their time to do it. And that's such a good idea. I'm going to do that. It's a good, I'm gonna a good do little that. trick, but it really just keeps you top of mind. And also I think people forget, like you might not be interested in that specific brand at the moment, but people, the turnover in beauty is so fast. That person might go to your dream brand next. So you always want to keep really great relationships. Um, yeah. And that's such a good point. That's such a good point. Yeah. People hop. And nowadays, especially, I feel like people do one year and then they're on to the next brand. I've gotten, I've gotten, not, I was going to say so many, that's not true, but a few emails of different um, PR specialists, I don't know what the word, proper word is, that were at a certain brand and they're like, I recognize the name. I'm like, oh my God, what? Like, I thought you were, she's like, oh, I'm here now. I'm like, oh, cool. And that's how she found me. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sure like that's how, you know, she probably had some people, to, I don't know. So you're right. You never know what could happen. And I think ultimately it's like, I think it goes back to uh, the way that I think about it is like, I think about this in like a long-term approach, right? So it's like, I'm not doing these things and being super nice. And that's just how I am. Like, thank God my parents like raised me. (laughs) Um, But, but also I'm like, I'm in this for the long fucking game. I want to be. So it's like, I want to build relationships with everyone that I meet. I think we shouldn't like, don't, don't go into it expecting like, Oh, maybe if I do this and she's going to want me. No, like, just do it out of like human decency. <laughs> and I think we also forget a friend of mine. Um, she's an influencer and this really cool uh, company followed her and she sends me a screenshot, right? And she's like, what did I do to deserve this? Like, oh my God, they're following me, like freaking out, right? So I'm like, I was, I, I text her back and I'm like, follow them and DM them and say, I love you so much. Like I L Y S M. And she was like, really? Should I do that? I'm like, yeah, why not? Like I would do that just to be funny and create a friendship. She did it. And the person responded saying like love you so much back and she's like oh my god and I'm like we forget that it's like it yes it's a brand and we see the followers and we see the blue check mark but ultimately behind all these massive companies and brands it's a human who's managing that account like it's literally 
probably an underpaid girl who loves to get yeah. drunk on the weekends. Just like <laughs> and love you know? and is really into your style. And that's why they're following. Exactly. And we forget about that. We forget about that. Okay. I want to ask you next. I love like, you're just like full of knowledge. It's so fun. What are, what are a few misconceptions about like working with brands, monetizing, anything in that realm? Like what are some things that you're just like, that's, I hear that and it's not true. Okay, I'll start with the most basic one. And I always tell people this, um, the industry is not as glamorous as it looks especially being on the brand side, I think, you know, a lot, I I was doing a lot of like college mentorship and um, I think, you know, people would always be so intrigued by like the trips and the events, but like the reality is you're not sleeping. Like I would go to sleep at 3am and wake up at six. I was in Paris and didn't even see the Eiffel tower or like did not have time to go get a croissant. Um, (laughs) Like, no, no, not the croissant. Fuck the Eiffel Tower. You didn't get a croissant? Like, like you know, I, I've spent like the day before an event, I spent like six hours sitting in like a garage packing and unpacking boxes. So like the reality is it's a lot more like hard work and like no matter what level you are, you've got to jump in there and, you know, do yeah. you have to pitch in and you just have to do the things that yeah. need to get done. Um what I think, <laughs> I think on the influencer side too, like people are just like, oh, how, how hard can it be to take a video and send it to Stop. me? That, it makes me, it makes my skin crawl. Like, oh. And I think a lot of people don't get it until they're actually doing it. And I, I used to have to balance this with my executives from the brand side too. And I think, cause I, I was doing both. I really understood it's only fair to give an influencer at minimum two weeks to deliver something, Um, you know, expecting like a two day turnaround, like they can probably do it if they're available and don't have other projects on their plate, but like they will charge you. Like you should be charging a rush fee for that. Um, I think also with, with regards to like influencer mailers, like everyone's like, Oh my God, you're just getting all this amazing free stuff. And that's true but it can get really overwhelming. Like there are packages that show up to my home that I have no idea are coming. There are not things that I'm really particularly interested in. And so I get really overwhelmed and like, you know, obviously offload it to charities or my family, but sometimes it's like just a lot of stuff. And so I really advocate and I do this myself, like saying no when you're not interested. Not only is that more sustainable, um, you're also level setting that expectation with the brand person. You know, if you're genuinely not interested in gifting at that moment, that's an indicator to me. Like you're not interested in gifting. You're probably not interested in working with the brand at all. And that's totally okay because there are so many other people I can work with. And also you're opening that door up to so many other influencers who would be. And so I think the more you say no, there's this trickle down effect where it lets other people experience those things who maybe aren't on that level where they're ready to say no and are excited. And so I think with all things, you really need to assess what are the right deals for you? What are the right mailers for you? Um, A lot of people will, you know, even send to agencies an email saying, hey, I know you have my address on file. I know you work with a number of different brands, but before you send anything, please reach out and let me know just so I can confirm interest. Again, that goes back to the respect for the brand person too, where 
we have yeah. level set expectations. I personally do most of my campaigns and most of my brand work in beauty. So it's really hard for me because obviously beauty is the industry that I think gifts the most, but it's also where I make, you know, most of my income. And so I can't accept all this beauty PR with the expectation that I'm going to be sharing it all because I do not have enough time. I don't. You have one yeah, face. I was going to say, I don't have enough faces. I don't have enough time. Yeah. I usually am not even wearing makeup. And so I dressed up yeah. for this. But in the, <laughs> in the end of the day, you know, it's it's level setting that expectation. So if it's a brand that I'm genuinely interested in, but I know that I can't commit to posting, I'm very open about that. I'll say to them, hey, do you have trial size so that I can test them out? Or I'm really interested in this. I've wanted to try this product for a really long time. I have a bunch of deals on the plate right now, but if I love this product after testing it, I'm sure I'll share it organically. And so that way that brand person, and nine times out of 10, they're like, great, I still want to send it to you because there's that chance that you fall in love with the product and you start posting about it. But I never have anyone, you know, then hounding me for like, where is this image shared? And it's, you know, it's very clear communication. I think in general, the industry can get a little tough. I think like a lot of things can get hidden in, in negotiations. Um, a lot of people don't know how to read contracts. They don't know about different rights. They don't know about different usage. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times mm-hmm. there can be moments where people are taking advantage of or things are not, you know, entirely disclosed. Um, and so I think in general, you know, people are getting smarter and they're educating themselves and learning, yeah. but also just be really upfront and just be straightforward and communicate. I really like that because it's it's like such simple advice, yet has to be said because I think people are sometimes I think and I can never say this word right English is my second language I I think people think with like a scarcity is it scarcity scarcity Scarcity. I never know how to say it it's like a scarcity mindset that if you it's almost like you need it all because if not like it's never going to be there it's not going to be it's like no actually like if that opportunity doesn't align with you right now you can say no that will then go to someone else and something that will actually fit you will come along eventually. You know, it's like, it's almost like saying no to the things that you don't want is actually you're thinking abundantly because you already know that like, there's going to be something else that is going to work for you. And you're leaving that spot for someone who it will make sense for. And I think we can all like take that and apply it to like a lot of things in life. Actually, we're getting like deep here. Um, But no, I love that. And okay. My last question to wrap it up, is not to do with beauty, though if it, if it if your answer has to do with beauty, that's totally fine, or influencer marketing or anything. But I just would love to know, like, what would you tell yourself six months ago or a year ago? Okay, it was a really scary time. I didn't have a job. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And um, I think that it, I doubted myself. Um, and I still do. We're all guilty of this. But I think, you know... It, just telling myself like it will be okay there will be some really tough times and there will be some really amazing times just in life in general you know the last year has been really challenging I think everyone's had a lot of you know low lows and high highs with mental health Mm -hmm. and just in general um and in light of it all you know every day you just keep moving forward and new opportunities will come their way and you'll find them and 
maybe you'll end up doing something you love more than you were doing before. And so uh, kind of where I'm at, you know, a year ago, I did not think I'd be, you know, starting my own business. I also didn't think I'd have a house and finally get married after postponing two and a half years. And I think that that's so crazy. <laughs> it's, it's wild. But I think that, you know, life in general throws a lot at you and a lot of it's unexpected, but it's yeah. also more fun that way. It gives like, it just, I love a colorful, crazy, <laughs> you know, life, honestly. And a lot of things are just out of our control. You know, I think that we really learned that last year is like, there's only so much you can control. And, and it's almost just like, how are you going to react to the things that you can't control? And that's the hard part, because that's all on us, right? But I love this. I love this conversation so much. Where can people find you if they want more? And if you're not following Ariel already, please run. But um, tell us where people can find you. Yeah. So my handle on all my channels is at Ariel Oz NYC. So, oh my God, I said Ariel, Ariel. I'm sorry. I never correct anyone. <laughs> I actually usually only go by my last name with my friends. So <laughs> that's awesome. really, wait, what's your, what's your last name? Oz. So like the wizard of Oz. So it's so fun that people always, I love that. <laughs> so people just, your friends just call you Oz. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, I love that. Honestly, okay, if cool. someone was running down the street screaming Ariel, I probably wouldn't turn around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love it. I love it. But it's Ariel Oz NYC. I'm on Instagram and TikTok primarily. Have a YouTube all about kind of career advice and um, my career journey. So if anyone wants love more that. details about that, you can check it out there. I'll link that. Everything will be linked. And thank you so much again. And next Absolutely. time you're in Miami, we're doing drinks. Hit me up, please. <laughs>